welcome to the Townsend Institute podcast series, Tips, a show produced by the Townsend Institute at Concordia University, Irvine. This podcast provides tips into leadership, coaching, and counseling topics aimed at helping listeners grow in both their personal and professional lives. I'm Dr. John Townsend, psychologist, organizational consultant, and author of over 30 books, including the New York Times bestselling Boundaries series. I'm also the founder of the Townsend Institute, and I'm excited to introduce your podcast hosts, Townsend Institute Program Directors, Dr. Ashley Andrew and Dr. Gilbert Fugit. I'm very excited today. Ashley and I get to interview our friend and colleague, Michelle Thompson. She has a passion for people, connection, and leadership. She's the director of the Executive Coaching and Consulting Program at the Townsend Institute at Concordia University, Irvine. Through executive-level leadership experience and years of coaching and group facilitation with high-capacity leaders, she has firsthand knowledge of the impact created when leaders invest in character development and strengthen their leadership competencies. Uniquely equipped, Michelle helps leaders strengthen both their personal and professional lives. She has been the featured speaker at conferences for academic and professional audiences, both nationally and internationally. We are lucky to have her today on the Townsend Institute podcast series because as we think about difficult conversations, does that make you sweat or break out? Difficult conversations are good for relationships. And so actually, we shouldn't run away from them. So when do you actually get comfortable having these types of conversations? We'll talk about that today. And also, what's the role of technology in having difficult conversations? So the tip that you hear from Michelle will hopefully make difficult conversations a little less difficult. We're excited to have Michelle here. Enjoy this episode. Hello, Michelle. Thank you for joining uh, Ashley and I today on the Townsend Institute podcast. Glad you're here. Thank you, Dr. Fugit and Dr. Andrew, Gilbert and Ashley. It is awesome to spend some time with you today. <laughs> well, well, thank you. We are very excited. It is not every day that we get to interview uh, one of our just closest colleagues and friends. Um, this is definitely going to be an exciting episode that we have in store for all of our listeners here today. Well, I have such a fun topic to talk about, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. Well, let's dive in. What sparked your interest in talking about Difficult conversations. Yeah. So most people um, may not be aware, but I actually have a certificate in conflict resolution and mediation. And it is one of the things that I am super proud of. In fact, my doctorate is even aligning with that as an organizational leadership track. Because somewhere along the way, I think that I felt like having difficult conversations and conflict was a bad thing. Like it would make me nervous and I'd like start to sweat and break out. And I would believe that if there was conflict, I was a really bad person. And I think a lot of people believe that. And when I started looking at conflict, I started to realize, you know what? Conflict is actually a really healthy thing. When there's this tension, there's opportunity actually for things to grow and to become better. And so I've started to embrace conflict and love having difficult conversations. I'm kind of geeky. I'm like, hey, can we just get into an argument or have a tough conversation? Because it would just be fun. Oh my goodness. You know what? I really wish I had that same outlook when it came to difficult conversations. And I'm sure many of our listeners do too. Um, talk to us a little bit. Why is it that so many people, and by so many people, I'm talking a little bit about myself here too. So I'm excited to learn all you have to share with us here today. Why do oftentimes we avoid the difficult conversations? 
Yeah, it's a great question, Ashley. I think sometimes we we avoid it because it's uncomfortable. It's we begin to believe that our own identity is at stake. Mm. And we start making it a very personal issue. And it's about who we are and what people will continue to like us instead of being able to be okay with just an, an opinion or a perspective. We make it personal instead of sticking with the issue or the topic as the matter at hand. And when anything starts to attack our identity or make us feel less than, it's going to be a really nerve wracking thing for us to deal with. Hmm. <laughs> you you hit it on the head, Michelle. I mean, when you got to do this, like typically, yeah, it, it, it can cause up a lot of, cause a lot of emotions to come up and, and, and all kinds of things happen. Do you got to just shoot from the hip or how do you do this? What do you use? Yeah, that's so great, Gilbert. Like if you and I were getting ready to like have a hard discussion, like you drank, you took my last cup of coffee in the morning, that would be like really horrible. And I really need to have a discussion with you about that. Um, there's a couple things that I do as I realize that I actually want to have this conversation for the sake of the relationship, that I care about you as a person. And so I want to have this conversation so that relationship can continue. And that I don't let things that feel like thorns, which might become my bitterness or my angst, come in in between us. So one of the very first things that I typically do as I prepare, and sometimes I do it offside as I'm like getting ready to go into the conversation, or if I'm in the middle of the conversation, I kind of do it mentally internally, is I remember to stay grounded. I kind of do that moment of like, hey, my feet are planted on the ground. This isn't like you're floating out in outer space. You're grounded, you're planted, you're here, and you can be present in the moment. Just one of the very first things that I think is so important when we go into difficult conversations is just to take that moment to breathe and to be present. The second thing that I do right away is I remind myself, this is another human. And I want to, pre- I want to be um, careful and respectful and honor the human in front of me. And make sure that this doesn't become a human issue, that it's a topic issue. So those are the first two things that I really do is setting my mind to to be ready to have the conversation. Uh, You know, that's great. Because sometimes, right, you walk in there and and you're fired up and you're like, you know, I'm going to beat this person down. You know, that that, but but to take a step back and remember they're a child of God and that uh, they're a human and to treat them that way. That's that's a great perspective. Yeah, I've definitely like barreled into some rooms in my lifetime and shared my thoughts and feelings very passionately. Um, Those don't always work out the best. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. I'm sure we've all been on the receiving end and and maybe even the giving end of those conversations. That's for sure. Um, Well, you touched on it a little bit. You know, it's one thing when, you know, you're having a difficult conversation with Gilbert over your coffee cup, but Let's be honest, the majority of our difficult conversations probably involve a little bit more than coffee cups. So what recommendations do you have for us and our listeners when it comes to how do we work with our emotions when our emotions Mm -hmm. are really at a height? And this is, you know, we feel like these relationships might be make or break given this Mm -hmm. conversation. How do we how do we hone in on that? How do we keep that under control, so to speak? Yeah, great question. So. Again, part of it is the grounding. Part of it is remembering that um, I want to be respectful and honor the human that they are and that I am. But then I go into space and really encourage people to go into space of remembering that most of these issues and conflicts 
are issues of perspective. I see things a certain way and I see them that way because of values that I have or beliefs that I have or information that I may have. But the other person may have different information, may have a different perspective on a value or might have a different perspective on a belief. And so if I can process this and say, okay, this is my perspective of what's happening. And I can approach the person and say, hey, I've got a perspective of what's happening here. And I'm feeling some tension. I'm wondering if you could share your perspective with me and if we could come to some type of agreement in the midst of this. Um, if we continue to look at it as we're not arguing or fighting, we're just trying to come to a common perspective. That is our greatest solution right there. So, Michelle, I mean, that, that's great, right, to come to common perspective and all those um, things. And because we think about we're, we're working with leaders and leaders now have more challenges than ever at post COVID, although we're probably not even out of COVID. Right. There's still things happening, you know, that are, are, are crazy and things. But why, why is this valuable? Why should a leader even care? Yeah, leaders need to care because every single day there are perspective differences. And some perspective differences maybe don't bring up all these emotions of sheer tension, but there's always going to be a perspective difference. And if we don't learn how to communicate in general and make this a general part of our communication, then what might have started out little and as a non-issue suddenly becomes a big issue. And now we're having big conflict. So if we can think of every conversation as a, hey, I need to make sure I understand the other person's perspective also, we actually can move things along better and take less risk in having it grow or explode more than what it is. And lots of leaders say, this sounds like it takes a lot of time. Like, I don't have this kind of time. Mm -hmm. My company, my business, my work, like there's so many demands. I got to keep moving faster and faster and faster and faster. And what I like to say to leaders is you almost don't, like you don't not have the time to do this. Mm -hmm. You have to begin these practices and these behaviors early on. And they're going to feel a little uncomfortable because these are practice skills. I said in the very beginning, you know, that I used to think that I was a horrible person or people wouldn't like me and I could like sweat and feel anxious before I'd go into a conversation where there might be conflict or know that something was happening. And I didn't just wake up one day and go, oh, I've got a new perspective and I can do it all differently. I had to practice it and I had to live and feeling uncomfortable. And inside I would shake a little bit as I would want to have these conversations. But when you see the good that comes out of it, or when you learn like, okay, that wasn't how I wanted to approach it. I need to approach it differently. It's a skill that you practice and develop and grows till it becomes more comfortable and become before it becomes natural. Mm -hmm. So leaders, when they do this, not only are they being able to move the ball forward, they're showing that as an example to their teams. Their teams now learn how to have these difficult conversations and can move the ball forward. And don't forget what I said in the beginning, when we have these discussions and when there's that little bit of tension and rub and conflict, that means we're actually moving someplace and out of those spaces, growth and new things and innovation happen. Wow. 
I love the outlook on that. That's awesome, Michelle. And it, you know what? Something you just said kind of sparked me. Just you know, of course, we're we're talking to uh, you know professionals, leaders tuning into our podcast here, and how important that is in our workplaces. But I can see this being so beneficial in our personal lives as well, and how awesome it is to model this for our children, for the next generation, and to try to show that having difficult conversations, even in our households, is so important. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, Ashley, I hear that you have a five-year-old or almost five-year-old. This is true. We have a lot of conversations going on around here. (laughs) So there's a little bit of fivitude, you know, showing up at your house, probably. And I think that when you can learn, when we can help our kids understand that tension or our discomfort or even anger is an okay emotion, but start training them on how to use it. Like, tell me about, tell me about why you're mad. Give me that perspective of what you're mad for. Okay. Now listen to this other piece. It's obviously we use smaller words and we make the conversations much shorter, but helping them be okay with their feelings to process it and realize that there's not penalty to that actually gives us stronger adults who are going to continue to grow and be able to be much more comfortable in conversations as we move forward, as they move forward into adulthood. I love that. I'm going to try that tonight when the difficult conversation over ice cream probably comes up. Is it likely? Oh dear. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a phone. I'm going to get a phone call. (laughs) So Michelle, you talk to her about the Auntie Michelle. Here you go. It's your turn. Well, and, and you know, Michelle, I, we got a lot of listeners out there that are, are as their leaders and leading their organizations, they're going to say, how long does it take for me to become, you know, comfortable doing this? How long do you think it takes? You know, I th- that's a great question, Gilbert. I don't know if I've ever been asked how long you think it takes. Um, I would say it takes as long as it takes. Yeah. It takes until. And I would say that because so many of us come at this with um, different reasons why conflict might be more difficult for us to manage. Some of these things in our own character growth may be something that is um, more deeply rooted in either traumas or past experiences growing up. I mean, one of my reasons was I just didn't see my parents ever argue or fight. So for me to assume that people were arguing or fighting was a really bad thing. Like, because I never saw health that healthy, like they just did it, you know, like they just did life. And so for me, there was a little bit of time that I had to resolve some of that misconception that I had. So if a leader really wants to do it, it's not just practicing the skill. It's also understanding what beliefs are behind not wanting to do this and being able to kind of neutralize those beliefs to be able to have new beliefs that empower you to do it. That's a great that's a great point, Michelle, because yeah, you're right. Some people, they've had a roadmap that wasn't, uh, or a manual that wasn't quite uh, accurate from their mm-hmm. family of origin. Yeah, my, it worked where my dad, uh, whatever he's kind of said, went. And I will just say into my own marriage, that is not carried through. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so that that is not, uh, that doesn't ring true. I, I like that. That's a great way to, to, to look yeah. at things, Michelle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, you've given us some pretty good models, some pretty good tips for kind of how to start those conversations. It's also sometimes nice to kind of look at maybe what not to do, right? And what to avoid. So I think sometimes those are the biggest learning opportunities. So what would be your biggest tips for us and for our listeners? Mistakes that we can avoid, you know, things that we should try to shy away from. Yeah. 
it will automatically always go back to remember that the person or people that you are having these discussions or moments with are humans and that they have value and that they earn respect. And so I really say to people, be cautious that you are not insulting the human, that you stay on the topic. Um, I had a person call me one time and we were talking about a pretty heated topic and she was pretty high energy about the topic, which was fine with me. She'd be high energy about the topic. Yet then she started saying some things that um, were a little bit insulting to me as a person, to my personhood. And I just said, I laid a boundary and said, I'm sorry, I can't have a conversation where you'll insult me. If that continues, then I'll need to stop the conversation. Um, And she did it again. And I stopped the conversation because we don't insult people. So or if we think about like, you know, kids on the playground, we talked about the kids, you're, you know, you're a booger face and you're like, yeah. no, we don't, we don't <laughs> call each other names. And as adults, we've learned how to do that in different ways to tear down the person. Yeah. So again, I really stress that is remember that the other person's human and that they're valuable. And so do not tear down the human and watch, watch for that. Um, because sometimes when we get tangled up, we, we, we do that without thinking. I think the other thing that we forget sometimes is that we don't take the break. Like sometimes if there's things that are like kind of intense or like, well, this, we set up a meeting to have this discussion right now. There are times that it might be okay to be like, you know what? I thought I was ready for this discussion and you've brought up some interesting points and I'm really kind of feeling like I need to take a quick walk around the office, like, or whatever like, can we come back in five minutes or can we come back in 10 minutes? Um, don't keep pushing through if you are feeling the energy getting so rising that you are concerned about being able to think clearly or being able to stay in control of, of yourself and of, and of the conversation. Um, and then I think the other thing that we do is we just wait too long. Yeah. We wait too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would tell people to address things as, as early as possible, you know, you may like, if something happened with Gilbert and I, because mm-hmm. I just keep using Gilbert, yeah. um, if something happens with Gilbert and I, and it was right in that moment, I may not be ready to like talk about it right in that moment. Right. I might need to walk away, but I probably shouldn't wait a week to bring it up. If it's, if I think it's going to hurt the relationship or I can say to Gilbert right then, like, Hey, something that you just said, isn't ringing true with me. We need to talk about that. So kind of knowing that, but don't let, don't let too much time fly pass um address it as quickly as possible it festers right i was just going to say it festers it grows yeah it totally grows yeah you you make a great point because dr townsend i've heard him talk about going from a misdemeanor to a felony right if you let it go uh too long and some of the students i know they they talk about this well you know even in their organizations they let something go for two or three months and now it feels like it's gone too long it's it's kind of like you ought to know all your neighbors' names and then you can't. And somebody, you know, you're sure somebody's named Rick and they're not. And, but now you feel embarrassed to ask them their name. So, yeah. 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 I mean, and, you know, our body signals to us when we feel like that there's some conflict. Right. Like, even if it's a, about like a work situation, about whether should we kind of sign that contract or not, there's usually something within our gut that might kind of like go, ooh, this doesn't feel quite right. You don't have to respond to it right away. But don't ignore it. Like, listen to it and say, why Why is this happening? Something's different. Something's rumbling. 
I need to think about this. And if you need to, you go find that really safe, confidential person, that safe person for you and say, can I just process this a little bit and make sure that I have my own clarity about it and whether I need to address it or not? Um, because sometimes we get some rumblings and we realize, oh, I was just like hungry or I was just overtired and in a bad mood and I like it's not a thing. But lots of times there is something there and it would be better to go and address it then. I really like that. I really like that. And you mentioned again, the longer we wait, I think the longer we wait, you start to miss that opportunity. Um, it can start to snowball. And then unfortunately, I know the way my mind works, I all of a sudden start making various conclusions. Okay, well, they said that and they must have meant this or they must have meant this or they must have meant this. And then I think to myself, man, I've lost a lot of sleep and a lot of time where had I just maybe had that conversation and say, hey, what did you mean by that? Right. Yeah probably yeah. really could have, you know, nipped it in the bud, so to speak, before it kind of snowballed and create oftentimes even a bigger issue than it is, right? I found that to be a, a, my experiences, maybe in yours too. And Ashley, what you just said there totally made me go, oh, you know, when things snowball and when we create these stories is when we start having these conversations in email or text. Mm. Oh, that's a great point. We didn't even consider how technology has influenced technology these has, conversations. Yeah, technology totally plays this. If my rule of thumb is if I send an email or you send an email to me and there's some stress in it, and then one of us responds back and it's not, and then I need to respond one more time, like, nope, it's got to stop. Like two emails max is like, okay, this is not going to continue to be an email piece. And people need to understand that trying to have a you hurt my feelings conversation on text never ends well. It doesn't end well at work. It doesn't end well in personal relationships. It doesn't end well in marriages. Like emojis do not have conflict discussion skills whatsoever. Um, so yeah, definitely technology is not always our friend because again, it's perspective. We hear our own voice. And the other person is, is hearing their voice, not our voice. And so they put their own intonations and it just becomes a mess. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you have complete lack of nonverbals to go off of, right? So you don't mm -hmm. have the body language. You don't have the tone, the volume. And, um, you know, as you know, my background in communication, we know that those types of things account for the majority of our message half the time. Right. Right. A lot of times that is what trumps even the words that come out of our mouth is the way in which it says. That's exactly right. And if you don't respond to me in the amount of time that I think you should respond to me, then I assume you're mad or doing something horrible and you could just be off working out, right? Like, and so the stories we can tell ourselves with technology, it's hard. Wow. And, and I like what you said earlier, Michelle. I mean, is this almost going to become the Thompson rule? Two emails, max, <laughs> right? You know, you've hit I that like rule. it. This is the Thompson rule. You heard it here first, everybody. The Thompson rule. You heard it here first on the Townsend Institute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I knew I'd be known for something one day. I love that. I love and it's that. it's not illegal. So that's the great thing. <laughs> Well, very good. Well, you know, you've provided so much great information for us here, Michelle. We just can't thank you enough. But, you know, we'd love for you to send our listeners home, which is kind of your um, your biggest takeaway. We like to call this the tip, right? The ultimate tip of the podcast. So if you could kind of sum up what you've shared with us here today in one takeaway tip, uh, what would that be? Yeah, I would say keep two things at the top of your mind whenever these decisions happen. 
One is perspective and the other is humanity. Those are the things that I think if we can all walk into difficult conversations with those two things in mind and how they play out, you'll win. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Perspective and humanity. Wow. Another awesome episode here of the podcast. Gilbert, what do you think? I think this is amazing. Perspective, humanity, and follow the Thompson rule. Follow the Thompson rule. Very good, everyone. Well, you can find more information about Michelle on Concordia University Irvine's website. She's, uh, again, one of our directors here at the Townsend Institute, our executive uh, coaching and consulting program here. So thank you so much, Michelle, for being with us here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's great to hang out with the two of you. Special thanks to Gadessa Labawa, CY alumni, for the Tips Podcast Music. If you enjoy the Townsend Institute podcast series, Head to our website, cui.edu slash Townsend to find out more about the certificates or bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degrees offered through Concordia University, Irvine. With programs in organizational psychology, mental health counseling, executive coaching, consulting, and organizational leadership, we have a variety of faith-based programs dedicated to helping you fulfill your academic and professional goals, all while further developing your competence and character. Again, That's cui.edu slash Townsend.